0: Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Um, this week on the second act entrepreneur show, we are talking all about what to put in those follow-up emails. Now you may have a follow-up email series that you have for say like a freebie, but you may only have one email in there and ultimately you should have five to seven emails. So we're going to talk about what to put in that so you can avoid staring at your screen with blank screen syndrome. And also, work on the opportunity to move our potential clients towards buying, whether they're ready now or they're ready in three months, six months, or a year, or if they know somebody else who's ready before them. So if you're ready to create a set of welcome emails and beyond that actually create, um, traction with your customers, build rapport and then ultimately get them to purchase and increase your sales, then you don't want to miss this week's episode. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hey there, I'm Elisa Connor, ex-corporate marketer turned entrepreneur. And along the way, I made all the mistakes just so you don't have to. Chances are you have a pretty full career. You've got experience, expertise, and probably a whole lot of education. The problem is people can't find you. This is why each week on the second act entrepreneur show, we feature expert education, marketing insights, and mindset shifts that are going to help you create a profitable business, so, you can secure your legacy, ensuring that you thrive not only in your first career, but also your second act. Welcome to the Second Act Entrepreneur Show. So, before we dive into the actual tips that I have in this episode for you to apply to your emails so that you're writing compelling emails that make people wanna buy from you as you're putting yourself in front of them in either a follow up sequence, a sales sequence, or even just your welcome sequence. I thought it would be really important for us to talk about why email marketing. And so if you're new to the show or you're new to marketing, your business, your coaching business, or your, um, consulting business, those are usually the people that I work with. Um, this may be a new concept to you because usually people jump right to social media and they're like email marketing. Why do I even care about that? And so I thought it would be, I dove into a lot of facts. I like to share a lot of facts with you guys as we're going through these, So I dove in and got some statistics and I try to find the most recent ones. Some of them are only 2020 and 2021, because as you know, we've been in the middle of a pandemic and things were not being tracked as well because we were in a state of chaos. So, um, but before we dive in, I also want to let you know that I have created, um, not only a really great bonus tip for you at the end of this episode. So you're going to want to stay t- stay tuned till the end so that you can grab that extra bonus besides the three tips that we're going to dive into. But on top of that, I've created a free guide for you to help you write your welcome series. So your welcome series is really the most important email series that you can create in your business because it's the opportunity for you to introduce yourself to a new subscriber, potential lead, and get, let them get to know you. And we all know that people buy from who they know, like, and trust. And so if you take the time to create a welcome series, that's engaging and moves people further down your funnel, you're going to have a much higher return on investment and opportunity to convert those people into paying customers. And so a lot of times that welcome series is a little bit overwhelming to people. Um, and they don't know how many emails to write. They don't know what to say in the emails. They just stare at their computer screen and are like, um, I got nothing. I've been there. I understand. And that's exactly why I created this free guide for you. So if you want to have a step-by-step system to go and create at least five, and I think it actually goes up to seven welcome series emails for your either lead magnet or for a new subscriber that would come into your world, you're going to want to go and grab this guide. And you can find that at elisaconnor.com forward slash email guide. So without further ado, let's dive into why do we want to use email marketing at all? In 2020, an estimated 306.4 billion with a B emails were sent and received every day, every day, 306.4 billion. That's insane. That's according to a, a study by finances online. According to opt monster 58% of users check email when they go online before they conduct a search social look on social media or check out the news. 58%. If that hasn't convinced you in 2021, four out of five marketers who are experts in the area said that they would rather give up social media as a marketing tactic than email marketing. that's according to litmus, who is an email marketing expert. So here's the thing about email marketing. Email marketing has a 4,200% return on investment. And that means that it is the highest return on investment opportunity out there on the market. Every 42, every dollar you spend, you can expect to have a $42 return. And you can't see that with any other medium. Sure. You can get the word out there. um, and you can, you know, spread your message far and wide using advertising, typically paid advertising and even organic posting and such. However, all of those things cost you time or money. Email marketing is one of those things that you can set up and it's ready to go. And so every new person that would come in one is going to go through your welcome series, which we just talked about how you, excuse me, how you can write that. But two they become a captive audience for you to put out your message, your, newest offerings, your newest programs, your newest promotions, all of those things. You don't have to go and hunt those people out with an advertisement or by showing up on different people's podcasts, etc. right in the middle of your launch. Speaking of which you can also use this opportunity. If you are speaking to other people's audiences to get people on your list. So, why do we want to use email marketing? Why is there such a push for email marketing specifically by marketers, but also by other business owners? Well, it helps you stay in front of your potential clients and your current clients at your leisure. It also enables you to stay stop, top of mind and whether or not they're ready to buy now in six months and nine months, or maybe never, you're still top of mind so that they can also refer you to other people. And that is a huge benefit of email because, if you have people showing up in your inbox every single day, they're going to remember who you are. Whereas if you sign up for a freebie and we're going to talk about this in just a second, and nobody ever come contacts you again, by the time that they come back and contact you, you're going to not going to remember who they are or what they do or anything else. And so it's your opportunity to build a relationship with those people in your audience. And it's easier to do with email. You can tell stories, you can deliver new information and new facts and new insights and all of those sorts of things. Now, first and foremost, welcoming your new lead. So somebody comes, they fill out your opt-in form, they download your free resource, and then they should get an email from you. And in that email, you should have something that's like, Hey, welcome to the family. Welcome aboard." However you want to welcome them into your world, welcome them because most people just won't. And I have seen so many welcome emails that I was just like, God, this is horrific. Did they actually just send this out and they want me to do business with them? And so think about it as if you were meeting somebody for the first time in real life, how would you speak to that person? How would you talk to them? What would you share with them? And most importantly, how would you want them to feel? And so when you roll out the welcome mat and you say, Hey, welcome to my world. I'm so glad you're here. That feels so much better than here's your free stuff. See you later. Right. And so how many times have you personally signed up for a free resource, whether it was a cookbook, an ebook, a guide, a checklist, any of those millions of things that you might use in your real life or your business life. And then you either received a single email with a download and then never heard from those people again, crickets for six, nine, 12 months until they were ready to sell something. And then all of a sudden they were hot on the email wagon and decided to email you incessantly about their new product promotion or launch, or you got your free resource and then started to receive a barrage of sales emails that you never wanted in the first place. You just wanted to get the checklist and see, you know, if it was something that would even be useful. And so the number one thing when you're creating an email follow-up series to remember is don't make assumptions about your audience. You cannot make assumptions about where they are in the buying process, whether or not they will move forward or if, um, they may be ready to work with you in the future. And so I, I quoted a, um, a study that I found, I've used it in quite a few podcast episodes. And it was so enlightening to me that only 3% or less of people that are introduced to you for the first time are actually ready to buy three, 3%. That means 97% of the other people that sign up for your list and maybe want a freebie or watch you on social media, or in some way engage with you, they're not ready to buy. And so if you jump into a welcome series with all of your guns, a firing and you're ready to sell them your stuff and they're not ready to buy, guess what they're gonna do. They're gonna hit unsubscribe. They're gonna put you in the trash or the spam folder, and they're never gonna wanna hear from you again. And so, when we make assumptions about our audience, we assumed that they're at a certain spot in their buyer's journey. And that is more often than not going to turn around and bite us in the butt. So if you've made these mistakes, brush off the dust a little bit, it's cool. We've all done it, but, um, we don't want to show up that way. Now that we know better because chances are, if somebody has done that to you, it felt pretty slimy. And like we're talking like things grown in the back of the fridge with mold on them, slimy, like really gross slimy. So we don't want that. And we don't want to feel that way. So we don't want our customers to feel that way either. So instead, let's dive into three ways that we can build that relationship with somebody who, who is new to our world so that they begin to know, like, and trust you. So the first one, which you might, this might be kind of a hard pill to swallow and people don't like to hear this because it means they have to own, take ownership and do the work. And that is you have to be consistent. So when we look at the world and if we had, you know, 90% of the problems that are in the world could be solved by consistency and owning the problem. And so I always come up with examples for you because I think it's really important. Like if we're looking at wanting to lose weight, we can blame everybody else for putting McDonald's on every corner or those Starbucks, um, $900 calorie drinks on every corner, or we can take ownership that we have the power to control what we put in our mouths and show up and start doing some consistent behaviors to fix um, where we want to be with our body weight. And that could be consistent exercise that could be getting more sleep. That could be eating healthier foods and tracking what we're eating. All of those things done consistently, as well as the, you know, owning that we can't show up at Starbucks and order the venti caramel macchiato frappuccino. I'm just throwing, I don't even know if they have those. caramel Frappuccino every single day on our way home from work and think we're going to lose weight. And so doing the consistent behaviors that will help us to get to weight loss, eating healthy meals at night, chicken and vegetables, for example, and going for a walk on our lunch break or going for a walk in the morning, before we start working, whatever that might be, those consistency with those behaviors are going to ensure that we're successful. And so that has to be the same thing in not only our marketing plan and our marketing techniques, but in our business. So if you don't have the number of clients you want, you don't have the number of sales that you want in your business. Sure. You can point at all of the people outside of yourself, but ultimately it's up to you to sit down and do those sales calls. And if you don't do them, you have no one to blame, but yourself for not having the clients. And so when we look at this in, relationship to our email marketing consistency does a couple of things. One, it reminds people who you are and what you do and how you can help them on a regular basis. If you're showing up every single week in their inbox, they're gonna be like, Oh, there's Elisa again. Awesome. Oh yeah. I forgot because we're busy. Like if you aren't consistently in front of people's eyeballs, they have 927 things going on a day. And so it's, they're not going to just automatically remember who you are and what you do. But if you consistently show up in their inbox and they say, oh yeah, there's Elise again. Oh, I wonder what she has to say they're, It's more likely they're going to open your emails. They're going to read your emails and they're going to think of you when that problem that you solve shows up for them in their lives or somebody they know. And so, um, when you are consistent with your email, it is that ticker that shows up. I had, um, a, colleague and tell me the other day that she looks in her emails and she gets an email from somebody pretty consistently. We'll just call her Sarah. She doesn't even read the headline. She just sees that It's Sarah. And she knows she enjoys her email. So she opens it. And so you want that kind of familiarity with the people that you are trying to get to do business with you. And the third and the, the, most important key piece of this that makes our little hearts go by pitter patter and the angels of choirs, choirs of angels sing, is that when somebody says, Hey, would it be okay if I passed your name on to my friend, my colleague, someone else that might need you, because that is creating, not only do they trust you, but they trust you enough to share your emails, your information and what you do with someone else. And so you have that opportunity if you keep showing up and, um, consistency is the really the only way to do that. So what's our second tip? The second tip is do not wing your email marketing or any marketing for that matter. Because if you're just winging it and you're throwing stuff out there on social media, or you decide to just write an email one day, there is no strategy behind it. And then you're going to wake up one day and go, I'm doing all this work. Why isn't it working? Nobody's paying attention. I don't have any clients, just like everything else in your marketing, in your business, in your life is you gotta have a plan to keep you on task, to keep you motivated when you don't wanna write, when you don't wanna create a podcast for the week, or you don't wanna do whatever it is in your business that you have to do in order to bring in more sales. Best of all, when you have a plan, you have the opportunity to tune in and measure your success to see what is and what is not working so that you can make tweaks and changes. And when you make those tweaks and changes, you have the opportunity to to then measure it again against whatever metrics you've set for your success. And that's going to help you grow and scale your business over time. So when you have the power within your emails to have your audience come back, reply back or speak out to you on social media and say, why are you in my head? Then, you know, you're doing it right. And that comes from knowing your ideal client. It comes from knowing your audience comes from knowing their pains and it comes from knowing them so well and consistently showing up and sharing that, you know, so much about them. So well in their inbox that my friends becomes pure gold for your business because that's a huge differentiator between you and your competition, who isn't doing any of those things. So email can be really powerful. I don't want to overwhelm you with all of the tactics and specifics that you can get into with your email marketing service provider. That's all stuff I talk about in email breakthrough Academy, but you can actually target people based on their specific interests. So if you were an artist and you had art pieces that were done in all purples, you could actually send out emails to everybody that was interested in only knowing about purple artwork because of the power of email and knowing your email service provider. So, um, create a plan that's like, don't wing any of your marketing efforts because it costs you a lot of time. It costs you a lot of effort. And then you find yourself spinning your wheels and you get burned out. And then you just are stuck and you don't want to do anything. And then you're really frustrated because you don't have any cash flow coming in. Okay. So that's number two. Number three is write headlines that will stop the scroll. And what that means is like people whip out their phone and then they just scroll, whether it's social media, like we've gotten in the habit with social media, but we also, um, get in the habit with our email because we get, I don't know, like 120 emails a day. And if we, um, are trying to get through the inbox because we can't stand that giant number staring at us and telling us, Hey, our inbox has 37 unread messages in the last hour, then we start scrolling. And so having the opportunity to stop the scroll and get people to pay attention and go, Oh, Hey, it's Elisa. I want to read that. That's what we want. And so there are so many people that reach out to me, both in my audience and clients and, um, subscribers that are like, Hey, I I need help with headlines. I can't, like my headlines are horrible. I do not know what to put in them. I can't get people to pay attention. And so I wanted to give you some specifics, um, about your headlines, but I also want to let you know that headlines can be tricky and the best way to get good at writing headlines is to just start writing because the more you write, the better you get. Now, a lot of people like to type, And I get it. Like it's easier to type. You can edit, you can put on your, um, grammarly and it corrects all your spelling errors and all that stuff. But when you're learning a new skill, there is something about the way your brain functions with actual handwriting. And if you will stick with me, I know it's some of the gen Z and gen and millennials are like, resist, resist. I will not do it. Um, so if you're out there, pick up a pen and start, creating your headlines on paper first until you get in your flow and you find something that's working because you will open up creativity in your brain that is not accessible by typing on a keyboard. And it is something about the brain and the hand connection, um, that opens up that ability to be more creative. So you may not like it. Your hand might hurt. You might feel like your mom's giving you punishment, but seriously, It works. I tried it. I've done it both ways. And I still write better headlines and write better emails and better content when I do it by hand. So practicing, um, your headlines and writing as many as possible is like, that's one of the best ways to get better at writing headlines, but also, um, testing. You're not going to know what works with your audience unless you test what you're doing. And the best way to know whether or not it works is whether or not people are opening your emails, which goes back to number two, planning your email marketing so that you're not just winging it and hoping people open when they don't. Um, and it also ensures that you're being more consistent because you have multiple, um, headlines that you're sending out. So if you're going to test it, you have to keep sending emails because if you're not sending more emails and being consistent about it, there's no way to test whether or not it's working. You don't have control of the variables if you just show up willy nilly. Okay. So what are some things we can do? I came up with three specific tactics that you can start implementing right now, just with your headlines. And that is, and these are things that I've used in my business and they work and my clients have used them in their businesses and they've worked. Um, and even the holy moly gurus of the marketing world, if you go and sign up for their email list and you start looking at some of these and some of the people that you admire, um, you're gonna see, they use these. So the first is ask questions in your headline, because again, brain science, I've learned more about the brain in my business <laughs> than I ever learned in biology in as a sophomore in high school. And I never took biology in college. That was like, I barely made it through sophomore biology. Um, thank God I didn't need it. Um, but your brain cannot not answer a question. It, it, it just can't like your brain will toss it around, toss it around, toss around until it finds an answer. In one way or another, whether you answer it, someone else answers it, you go to Google and answer it. Your brain will not stop. It's like a dog with a bone. It will not stop turning it over in your brain until you go get the answer. And so when you ask a question in your headline, you've automatically turned on that trigger in somebody's brain and it's going to drive them nuts until they go and either read the email to get the answer to the question. And some of it's just subconscious. Like they will just subconsciously open it and go, okay, where's, the answer to this. And I found myself doing it, um, with other emails. Like they'll, it always works. Like the question thing for me always works. Some of the other ones, I don't really pay as much attention to but if it's a good question and it can't just be like, is the color blue, blue, like it's gotta be a really good, relevant question to them. But if you ask that question, their brain will not stop until they have an answer and so that's a great way to get your emails open and so many people don't use it or they use it ineffectively so start brainstorming like 30 different questions that you could ask your audience and then right from there now there are two schools of thought about headlines i'm going to stop for just a minute and dive into those One is, so this, this is how I do it. You choose whether it works for you or not, but there's two schools of thought about headlines. One, write your entire email content first, and then write your headline or write your headline and then write all of your email content around the headline. So this is what I usually do. I usually write a headline. I write all my content, and then I rewrite the headline (laughs) because I don't like it. And so what you will, find is there will be a system that works for you and your brain and how you create. And sometimes I just need to put things down on paper so that I can get, um, the thought process rolling. And so that gets me rolling into what I want to talk about. I usually create an outline and then I start writing it out. And then oftentimes I'll just sit down and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to, here's what I think the headline's going to be. And then I'll write my content and then I'll look back at the headline and go, oh no, that doesn't match at all. And so then I have to rewrite the headline, which is totally fine. So think about how it's going to work for you. It could be either way. There's no right or wrong. Just do what works for your brain. And then as always test it. Okay. So tip number two, to get your emails open, use characters and emojis. Now, I'm going to add the term sparingly in here. Like you don't want an entire line of emojis because if you do that, um, you will trigger the spam folder, or the spam, the spam filter. And then that is real. That's a really hard hole to dig yourself out of. And you don't want to do that. And same with characters. Now, when I'm talking about characters, I'm saying exclamation points, asterisks, uh, question marks, all of those things, but don't overkill it. Um, but, the trick with this is, is like, if you pull out your phone right now and you open up your email app and you start scrolling through your email, just without reading anything, just scroll through it and see which emails grab your attention. And chances are very high that it will be an email where the subject line contains an emoji or a character. And that's because it says to your brain word, 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 word. Hey, what's that. And so, subconsciously, again, your brain is going to filter out and pick out the things that are different in the scroll. And so when you use emojis effectively red work better than yellow, sometimes you can't make it work with your headline, but do your best. It will create a trigger in that person's brain to go, Hey, what's that? And they will pay attention in their scroll and they will stop and read your email. So along with a question or an intriguing headline, if you use an emoji or a character or a combination, it's more likely that your email will get opened. Um, but again, use them sparingly. Don't go wild because you don't want to piss off the spam gods. Nobody wants that. Okay. And then the third thing that really matters for, um, getting your emails opened is headline length. So how many times have you opened up your email and you see, there's like a little, uh, start to the headline and then it's dot, 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 because the headline's so long that one, it didn't really grab attention, but two, it won't fit on the screen. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. We're going to talk about mobile email open rates and why that's important. So the email testing world has actually come up with the exact amount of characters and words that are most effective for a email headline subject line. And that is HubSpot who they are the Kings of email. They study email all day, every day. The best performing headlines have 11 words and 65 characters. And that is according to HubSpot in 2021. So you may be going, okay, well, I don't, how am I going to know how many characters I'm not going to sit there and count them. That's going to take forever. Or how many words? Well, luckily most email service providers, I know active campaign drip and convert kit all have like triggers that say, Hey, um, by the way, your email headline is too long and you probably want to fix it before you send it out. Just like they have a little, um, alert that comes up that says, Hey, you haven't changed your headline yet because that's happened to me. Where I'll not put a headline in there. I get busy and I start writing them, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot to put it in there." Well, thank goodness that they have saved our bacon and said, "Hey, you don't want to send this till you change your headline." Same thing. They will rate your headline um, if the if it has too many characters in it. But if you don't have one of those email service writers, and maybe yours doesn't have that capability, you can always go to wordcounter.net and just type in your headline and it'll tell you exactly how many characters. And then I think it has like a little, um, toggle on it, that you can do the number of words as well. And so that's a great place to go and kind of filter out headlines. Sometimes you have to take out extraneous words that you don't need and, um, get your headline shorter. And the key to that is, is that you want it all to fit on this little screen. When you have your email showing up to your subscriber, because it's going to be, it's going to incentivize them to open the email. Now, some of the best headlines I've seen have been five words or less. And I, I think I'm just in awe. Cause I'm like, how do they say that with so few words, but it can be done. So before we dive into the final piece of this episode and also, um, the bonus that I promised you at the end, the bonus tip, I want to remind you that I do have a free guide available to help you create that welcome series sequence for your email. And again, the welcome series is so important to your business because it is the opportunity for you to start out with a really great first impression to somebody who is new to you, new to your, um, ecosphere and you want to be able to wow them, with that welcome email series. So if you are interested in that and you're interested in creating a welcome email sequence that people talk about and that keeps people engaged, you're going to want to go and grab my free guide. And you can get that at alisaconnor.com forward slash email guide, all one word. And I'll put the link for that below the video and also in the show notes. So who is ready for that bonus tip? Well, hopefully it's you, hopefully you're excited about email and hopefully you're ready to put some of these tips into action right away. And if you do come over to LinkedIn, send me a direct message, because I want to hear about it. Okay. So as we talked about this little guy, everybody has one in their pocket. If you don't optimize your email for the phone or mobile devices, you could be in trouble. And so, and you're not alone. So optimize, which means have your email show up on this screen as though it were made for this screen so that your mobile viewers can see your email. Well, one in five email campaigns are not optimized for mobile devices yet. 56%. I think that's a little low. I think it's more like 76, but 56 is what I'm reading of all emails are opened on mobile devices. Now here's the kicker. 80% of those email 80% of people if the email is not optimized for, uh, the screen that it's being rendered on, they'll just delete it. They won't even open it. They'll just, they won't read it. They delete it. And so you don't want that. That is way too high of a percentage of people deleting your emails and not reading them. And so we want to make sure that it is, um, mobile friendly, that it's easy to read and that you're not, putting too many things in there that aren't rendering. So one of the things that really struggle, like mobile phones struggle with is images like and video, um, videos. Like it won't, if you're somewhere and you are not connected to Wi-Fi, your phone is not going to pull up that video and too many attachments or images or things in an email will actually trigger the spam filter. So there's a couple reasons you don't want to do that. Um, but, so you're like, okay, so how do I test your mobile performance? Well, I have a solution for you. You have the opportunity specifically in ConvertKit and active campaign to send yourself a test email before you send it out to your list. And so when you do that, rather than opening it up on your desktop, because you're probably typing it in on your desktop, grab your phone and open the email there look at it, see if it's rendering correctly. If you can read it on your phone, if anything is missing and if it is before you send it out, fix it because you can send yourself an infinite number of test emails to make sure it looks right before you send it out to the rest of the world. So you definitely want to do that. Do you have to do it every time? No, not if you are using the same kind of format, that you normally use. But I'm, I have a client who I have spoken to about this many times who uses a template. I am not a fan of templates, any kind. They do not perform as well as just regular text and, um, images stuck in there. Like maybe one, one image or GIF or something like that. Um, they just don't perform as well overall. So, um, when you're looking at email templates, cause they're pretty and whatever, a lot of times they might look really great on desktop as is the case for this client. But when they get on the mobile device, if you're looking at it, it can be hugely distracting, really hard on the eyes. And honestly, like I've gotten some of those emails and I'm like, I can't even look at this because it's hurting my head. Cause there's so much going on that I just delete it. And you don't want that. You don't want to give anybody the, the, a reason to delete the email unless you absolutely have to. Um, and so don't make it hard to read your emails. That's, that's the bonus. Like make it very easy, no matter how they're opening it for people to open, read, consume and share. And when you do that, um, the opportunity will repay itself because that's exactly what people will do. So that is a wrap, um, on this week's episode and in creating compelling emails for your coaching business, your consulting business, for, um, any type of service-based business is that you really want to, um, take advantage of showing up with your best suit on when you are meeting a new subscriber and then just keep building on that relationship. So if you've enjoyed this episode, I would love it. If you would go over to iTunes or Google play and leave me a review and let me know exactly, um, what you gained from the episode. And even better, if you want to share it with a friend, I would love that too. So in the meantime, be well, stay safe and thanks for tuning in. And now it's time for you to go write some kick-ass emails. Take care. I'll see you next week. Did you miss something during the podcast? Maybe forgot to take notes. No worries. We've taken all the notes for you. All the resources, links, and information in this episode, you can find over at alisaconner.com forward slash podcast. That's A-L-I-S-A-C-O-N-N-E-R dot com forward slash podcast. Looking forward to seeing you next week.